Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, have you ever wondered what it would be like to eat a meal without your vision? An upcoming event from CNIB called Dining in the Dark will have you doing just that. We'll talk to one of the hosts and dinner coaches for the event, Tracy Gartman. Then we'll learn all about the interesting and rare items you can find in the Sir John A. Macdonald exhibit at Dalnavert Museum. And we'll also learn about the Book Bike, a new initiative from the Winnipeg Public Library that's bringing temporary pop-up library branches to unconventional locations. And Noah Ehrenberg will be joining us in studio to talk about This Week in Winnipeg through the lens of Community News Commons, Winnipeg's citizen journalism project. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Good morning and welcome to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you this morning. Nolan, it's good for us both to be reunited back in the studio. Hope you had a great week off. It's been a couple weeks since we've uh, rejoined forces for RC360. Yeah, my week off was great. Went to a wedding. Uh, Shout out to Kyla and Kyle. Congratulations on your wedding day. Uh, What about you? How was your week off? Uh, mine was excellent. I guess that um, was a while ago, eh? A couple weeks now. A couple weeks ago, yeah. I went on a camping trip. Perfect. Which, uh, the nights were a little cold, but beautiful weather overall, it's and it was great there. to get out there. It's getting a little chilly now. I'm noticing in the mornings, it's it's almost light jacket or hoodie weather Definitely. when you first come into work, but uh, still still nice out. It's not winter yet, so we don't have to. We can still keep those parkas packed away, but and uh, still lots to enjoy. Many fest this afternoon. Hopefully, absolutely. some of our listeners will be going out to check that out or have checked that out already. Just started on Friday, so uh, yeah, food trucks down by uh, Broadway. There, you can go check out. There's music, all sorts of things happening. So if you haven't checked out Many Fest yet, uh, head on down there. It's it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. So another. Uh, Another milestone for today is that we're moving to a full hour of programming. So what that means for you listening is more news, more views. We've got more stories, interviews, more music, and more of us. So (laughs) you had me until us. It'll be good. (laughs) It'll be great. We're really excited about finally having a full hour right here to share with you every Sunday morning right here on CJNU 93.7 FM. And we can't wait to bring you even more great stories and great conversations from some important people and organizations here in Manitoba and sometimes beyond. Some really great stories that are relevant to all Canadians and all Winnipeggers. All people. Great things that are happening all throughout our city. Exactly. Excited to share that with you. And of course, if you do have uh, any ideas for stories, if you know of some organization or a person that's working to do something really good in our city and beyond, uh, give us a call on our listener line. Our number is 204-944-9474. You can just leave us a message. You can even send us an email as well, rivercity360 at WPG fdn.org org and uh, we'd be happy to uh, to check into that we love getting story ideas and learning ourselves about some of the great things that are going on and sharing those with our listeners so let's get right to it well let's let's get to a song first uh, after our musical break we're going to be joined in studio by Tracy Garbutt he is uh, one of the dinner coaches and hosts of an upcoming a very cool event that's upcoming uh, put on by CNIB uh, he's going to tell us about about the CNIB and what people can expect at their evening of dining in the dark, which is taking place this Thursday. But first, how about Ed Bickert with I Like to Recognize the Tune, right here on River City 360. 
you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning. And I'm and we're now joined in studio by Tracy Garbett. He's an independent living skills specialist, and he's going to be the dinner coach at the CNIB uh, dinner Dine in the Dark dinner happening this Thursday, September 15th. Tracy, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. So we wanted to have you in to talk about the event. Basically, for our listeners who don't know what the Canadian National Institute for the Blind is or does, maybe give us a quick rundown about who, who they are and what you guys do. Well, you know, we're a community-based service, so we're there for the community. We have a lot of services to help people who are blind or partially sighted, everything from independent living skills like myself. We have orientation mobility instructors who teach people how to use the white cane. We have low vision specialists uh, teaching low vision aids. We have career counselors. We have our adaptive and technical aid store. So we have a wide range of different services we provide so people can live as independent as possible. All of, all of the above, I guess. Hey, yeah. Anything that has to do with that. So how did you get involved with the organization? Well, I've been legally blind myself for 12, uh, since I've been 12 years old. Okay. And um, it, I have an eye condition called RP or retinitis pigmentosa. So it took a long time to kind of, you know, find your, your niche. But uh, once I figured out that, you know, what I wanted to do with my life, uh, I went to school and I became an independent living skills specialist. And really, because of my blindness, I always did want to help uh, people in the community. And I really like working with people. So uh, I've been with CNIB, like I said, just over 19 years. And it's been very rewarding in the sense that you go out and you help these individuals. You walk into their home and you see how devastated they are because of their vision loss. And when when you leave, you can see that they do have that idea that there is hope. It's not over and they can still do stuff. They just have to do it differently. And I'm sure that you give their, you know, you give their life a, a real sense of uh, of hope and optimism by, by helping them through this potentially really difficult time. For sure. And it, it uh, it's a long process. It doesn't happen overnight. And um, I'm still going through vision loss myself. So you still have stages that you have to go through and adapt. So for myself, I can really relate to, you know, 99% of my clients. And I think that really helps in that rehab process. Without getting too deep into it, how, how is Winnipeg getting around uh, being legally blind? What's Winnipeg like for, for, for you? It's getting much better. Yeah. They've really improved on a lot of things, even the simple fact with our buses and the GPS that have been in there for several years, knowing where your bus stops are, uh, GPS... Right. Uh, has been my friend <laughs> and just the fact that they are me being uh, more aware of construction zones and letting people know about what's coming up what's not and the city has worked really well with CNIB giving us a heads up on maybe certain areas that might be troublesome Great, great. So I see. And speaking of uh, GPS being your friend I notice you have another friend with you here today uh, tell us about uh, your partner yeah, that, that, that accompanied you for sure, I have my guide dog, Kurt. He's actually from New York. Oh, cool. So he's uh, come a long way. But yeah, he's he is instrumental in me traveling safely. We've been working together for over six years, and we are a solid team. And it feels really good because it does make my life a lot easier. And with our type of winters that we have, right. that's what really saves me a lot of grief. So let's talk a little bit about Dine in the Dark. Uh, tell us about this event uh, and what it's for and, and what's going to be happening. Well, yeah, next this Thursday on the 15th, we have Dine in the Dark at the convention center. And it's 
an evening of walking in one's shoes. So it's going to be people under occluders. We're going to have the di- lights dimmed down so it even makes it darker in case people try to peek underneath their, <laughs> their blindfolds. Right. And I'm going to be coaching them through their meal so that they know what it's like to be blind. And one skill that can be very difficult for a lot of people is, is eating. And how do you eat certain foods without getting it on yourself, right. all over you, uh, shooting peas at your neighbor. Right. Uh, and that's going to be my role. And, you know, have fun with the audience and, and make it a real memorable evening so they know what it's like to be blind or partially sighted. Yeah, it's something that we take for granted, obviously. So it's going to be an interesting uh, exercise, I guess, to, to take that away for a night and see how people fare. Like, have you done this before? Have you been to the, di- the, yep. to the di- dinners? I, this is our fourth and this is our fourth die in the dark. And it's just gotten bigger and better every time. And like I said, this is the first year we're allowed to really dim the lights that much more. So it's going to make it even harder. Like I said, I know a lot of people try to peek from underneath their occluders and I probably would too if I could, but it is a lot of fun and you hear the laughter or you hear when someone knocks over a glass or, (laughs) you know, it, it makes it really fun and it can be a stressful time for blind people, but it also kind of, it, it puts us all at a level playing field that evening and we all have fun with it. Helps with empathy, I would imagine too. Oh, for sure. And it, gives people like i said a really good understanding and at the end of the night they can take their occluders off and they'll have a a greater appreciation and they can go home and kind of reflect and go wow okay that was quite the experience and you know we have a lot of people that are back every year and there's you know they they learn something different every year absolutely What, what has been some of the response from people that you've spoken to after the event has sort of concluded and what, what have they told you well it's no, they they just can't believe what it takes and the extra effort to eat and how much longer it takes right and they after the you know when they do take a look sometimes they think they've eaten everything on their plate <laughs> and they might still have a half a plate of food and they're like oh wow i can't believe i missed that so right. and again that's part of my job during the evening saying you know make sure you, you use your fork and knife to extend out and check things out like at six o'clock, three, nine, twelve, and really explore your plate so that you don't miss stuff. Right. Yeah, you don't even it's something you don't even necessarily think about, but it's it's interesting to uh, to contemplate. Uh, can you give us a hint on what the uh, what the what the meal is gonna be? Well, you know, it's usually, you know, there's always a salad involved mm-hmm. and you know, maybe it's chicken, maybe you know, it'd be really awesome if they serve spaghetti. <laughs> that that would really put people to the test. But no kidding. Know, I don't know if they're gonna do that. So if anybody is listening that's going that night, you'll have to find out. So are tickets still available? Where can we find out more information about uh dying in the dark? Yeah, you can go to our website at cnib.ca or you can phone our local number at two oh four seven seven four five four two one. And yeah, tickets are still available and we will get you set up. Perfect. So that's cnib.ca or you can phone 204-774-5421 for more information. Tracy Garbett, thank you very much for talking to us today and uh, good luck at Dine in the Dark this Thursday. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much, Nolan. Coming up after the break, a recent exhibit is showcasing some really interesting items related to Canada's first prime minister. 
and we'll learn all about that. I'll be speaking with Thomas McLeod, the executive director of Delnavert Museum, to find out more. But before we get to that, here's a waltz named after Canada's first prime minister. It's the Sir John A. Macdonald Waltz by Graham Townsend, right here on River City 360.
Welcome back to RC360. Robert and Nolan here with you this morning. As we mentioned before the break, I recently had the chance to visit Dalnavert Museum and speak with its executive director, Thomas McLeod, about its Sir John A. Macdonald exhibit. For listeners who maybe aren't familiar with Dalnavert, tell us a little bit about the museum and how it was established. Well, Dalnavert Museum was the original home of Hugh John Macdonald, who was the son of John A. Macdonald. Uh, it was built by him in 1895. The uh, home was fully restored in the early 70s uh, by a group of volunteers working with the Manitoba Historical Society uh, as a heritage site, and uh, since then has gained uh, both provincial and federal heritage designation. Uh, it was opened in the 70s as a museum to uh, give uh, insight to the early boom years of Winnipeg, uh, the era of great growth and prosperity. Uh, and so it's a fully restored to uh, the time it was built and is an excellent example of uh, the Victorian style of uh, Canada in that period. Very interesting. And so there's an obvious tie with Sir John A. Macdonald being the father of Hugh Macdonald, who resided here. And you have an exhibit here with artifacts provided by the Library and Archives of Canada. Uh, tell us a little bit about what people can expect when they come to check out the exhibit. John A. Macdonald never actually visited Dalnavert. So we are saying that this exhibit is actually the first time that John A. has actually been to Dalnavert because unfortunately the house was built after his death. But the uh, exhibit is closely tied with the Macdonald uh, family and so it's a great privilege to have the Library Archives exhibit here. And uh, what people experience is really, from the Library Archives, these documents and uh, items uh, uh, rarely uh, make it outside of the archive building, let alone Ontario. And so this is a real rare opportunity to see these original documents uh, and uh, pieces. Uh, so it, they give an insight to John A. that is not really the cultural one that w we know. Uh, was, we know John A. from, the, from our money and from our history books, uh, but we're featuring uh, things like the earliest portrait of John A., which is not the image of John A. that most people have in their mind. The, he looks more like a character out of Jane Austen. Uh, and it's up to you whether you decide whether he's a hero or a villain, but it's open to interpretation as a young man. It's a very different view of John A. Uh, and then the other items uh, really give an insight to how uh, people uh, were living in Canada in that day and period. So uh, a prescription for uh, stomach ailments uh, that includes uh, arsenic and strychnine as some of the ingredients uh, begin to open your eyes to uh, the great differences uh, that have uh, and advances that we've made over time. But uh, at the same time, I find it interesting that even now we have people in the media and such uh, with new modern drugs that poisonings are as equally dangerous and it would have been in so then too. So even though we've advanced, uh, although culturally in many ways, we're still in the same, <laughs> the same problems or the same issues. Probably a hundred years from now, people will look back at the things that we were taking and wonder like, what? Like, what were they thinking? <laughs> what were they thinking? Yeah, you know, it's just phenomenal how history does in a way repeat itself in society in some ways. And so these touchstones in a way kind of help you take pause and put context and narrative back into what has often just become cultural icons. In going through all of these artifacts that came in, was there anything that surprised you based on some of the things that were provided? 
I think the tomato chutney label, <laughs> which uh, comes from southern Ontario, we became aware of it at the same time as uh, Heinz, and was, uh, there was the controversy about whether they would use Canadian tomatoes or not. And uh, I found it very curious that even in Johnny's uh, day that we would have a label of tomato chutney from a local southern Ontario farmer producer saying that this is made with Canadian tomatoes and is good and endorsed by the Prime Minister. <laughs> Again, it's one of those sort of things that it seems that history repeats itself in different ways <laughs> and that the issues that we find almost trivial today are similar to what would happen. And there's an there's an area of the exhibit that deals a little bit more with the political side of Sir John A. Could you tell us about a couple of the things that people would find there? Well, there's some fabulous pieces there. Of course, uh, John is well known for completing the railway under his government and leadership. And so there's a telegram marking the last spike, uh, original notice uh, back of the completion of the railway. Uh, but in addition to that is a very fascinating piece for Manitobans, and that is a threat letter written at the time of Louis Rail's execution from a uh, French-Canadian community, basically uh, very poetically written in French, but basically asking that the same fate would should suffer uh, John A. Macdonald and his ministers because they deserve the same fate as Louis Riel for hanging him. How did the idea for this exhibit come together? Well, uh, a few things aligned. The We owe a great deal to our sponsors who helped uh, pay for the exhibit, uh, but also at the same time we owe a great deal to a local museum community member here, Adele Hempel, who was very active with the uh, restora- uh, with uh, the reopening of Dalnavert Museum uh, and uh, the founding of the Friends of Dalnavert Museum. And Adele, in her professional career, uh, had the opportunity to meet with some people in Ontario uh, at about the same time uh, from the Library Archives of Canada. And this exhibit uh, was originally at the Bellevue House in Kingston. Uh, And then it went from there to the Canadian National Museum. And we uh, approached the uh, Library Archives at that time when it became clear that Downover would be able to reopen and asked if they would be willing to partner with us and bring the exhibit to Manitoba. And the library archives were very excited. Uh, It's not often that they bring items outside of the province. And uh, so they were very excited to join with us and to bring this exhibit here. Both, uh, it's part of the Canada 150 program of looking at our history and at the same time, it was a great way for Downavert in its first year of operation to take a step forward in the kind of programming that we think we can do here by building partnerships with uh, other institutions, both locally and nationally. Are there any artifacts here that symbolize the link or relationship between Sir John A. and Hugh MacDonald? Well, we have a few things in our own collection, but the will is probably the one that links. What we know uh, of the family history is that uh, Hugh John specifically asked to be excluded from John A.'s will, and uh, apparently that request was honoured. Hugh John felt that he had established himself uh, in his own career and in his own practice uh, West and could stand on his own feet and did not need uh, to rely on his father's estate. Although it may have been fairly symbolic because Johnny wasn't known as a particularly wealthy individual. Uh, And so I'm not sure that there would have been a huge estate or, or something that was left behind. But uh, apparently it went uh, to uh, his wife uh, at the time of his death and not to his son, which is sort of like the Scottish tradition 
of uh, passing uh, the wealth to the eldest son. So this particular exhibit wraps up on September 14th, but there are a number of upcoming events happening at Delniford. Could you tell us about a few of those? Absolutely, I'm pleased to. Upcoming in this fall, we will be launching a visitor's uh, series, a seminar series on Victorian secrets over the course of eight weeks. It's one Sunday afternoon every two weeks. And the first one, it's entitled Victorian Secrets. The first one is entitled Penny for Your Thoughts, uh, which looks at uh, Victorian purses and the unique ways that the Victorians would carry money and, uh, and secure money on their persons. Uh, the next series is A Pale of Cheek, uh, which looks at uh, how uh, women uh, would uh, use makeup and protect themselves uh, from uh, the sun or from other sources of heat uh, that would affect their makeup or affect their idea of beauty in the era. So it's kind of looking at women's ideals of beauty in the Victorian era. Uh, the second one is uh, looking more at the home decoration and it's uh, looking at paper mache as a Victorian decorative art. And the final series is the Victorian medicine cabinet which looks at uh, how uh, ailments were treated in that era. Uh, so it's an interesting series of Victorian secrets, uh, all as a unique way to spend a Sunday afternoon here at Downavert. Uh, we also have, uh, this fall, we're participating in uh, Culture Days, which visitors will be able to sign up and take our audio play uh, experience at Downavert for free. This is an immersive audio experience where you get to experience the museum as if the McDonald family were living there. And it's like a radio play that you experience in the house as you visit through it. Uh, so people can sign up for that uh, as part of Culture Days and have that free experience. Or they can come and visit us on another day and pay for the experience. <laughs> uh, we also are participating with Nuit Blanche. We'll be a Nuit, Nuit Blanche venue. Uh, and the Costume Museum of Canada will be exhibiting here. And we're also uh, planning to have with Wendy Zerwatsky uh, will be uh, presenting projected images that uh, will uh, enliven the exterior windows of Delnavert uh, for that Nui Blanche Festival. Very neat. Thomas, thank you so much for joining me today and telling me all about the Sir John A. Macdonald exhibit at Delnavert. It's my pleasure. We're always pleased to welcome history enthusiasts and uh, local uh, supporters to Delnavert. <music> The Sir John A. Macdonald exhibit is winding up soon, but you still have a couple of opportunities to visit. It's open today between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., or the last day you can check it out is Wednesday between noon and 4 p.m., and that's at Delnavert Museum, 61 Carlton Street. For more information about Delnavert, you can visit their website at friendsofdelnavert.ca. Thanks, Robert. Coming up next, we'll hear another great conversation that you had uh, about the Winnipeg Public Library's book bike and where you'll be able to find it cruising around town. But first, here's Fats Domino and Rockin' Bicycle right here on RC360.
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you this morning. Now, if you've spent time in some of the more central areas of Winnipeg recently, you might have noticed a three-wheeled bike with a wood panel box on it. And no, there's not ice cream inside. Rather, it's the Winnipeg Public Library's book bike. Even though it's the smallest library branch, so to speak, by far, you'd be surprised at what this bike has to offer. Earlier this week, I spoke with Marie-Ève Bonnet, assistant branch head and head of children's services at the St. Boniface Library, which was where the book bike was located at the time, to find out all about this very interesting initiative. Tell us a little bit about what the book bike is and what people can expect from it. The book bike is a new initiative this year with the uh, Winnipeg Public Library. It's a little pop-up library, and if you look online and see the pictures, um, there's a box in front of a three-wheeled bike, and there are shelves inside, and we run around, uh, pedaling around. We are popping up all over the place, mostly downtown this year and at festivals. St. Boniface Library has just borrowed it. It's basically a little library. You can apply for a library card, you can update your account, you can find out about what the library has to offer, all the online services, get some help with downloading ebooks if you have your device on hand, um, and consult the little tiny collection that we have in there that's changing all the time. That's pretty neat. It's essentially a tiny mobile branch mm. that can be anywhere in the city. That's right. It's um, it's weather dependent. And so uh, as much as we try to plan ahead where we're going to be, uh, we can never guarantee that it's going to be there the day of. And we always uh, set up outside. So if it's too cold, people won't want to be out and hang out. So we're not going to show up. But you can definitely follow us, follow us on online and on, on Twitter, um, on the library website. We always say where we're at. And um, it allows us to get to places where you can't drive to uh, necessarily. So we will set up on sidewalks or in little tiny areas and festivals, and it gets us to be more on the ground and out and about with people. So it's a really neat thing. How did the idea come about for the book bike? Several people have had the idea. It's not new to Canada either. Um, there are several uh, cities we know of, especially in Western Canada, that have book bikes. But it is the first one in Manitoba. and. It's just an idea that sparked from our will to try to go and do different things in the community and try to reach outside the library walls. It's just another way to try and reach people and get on the ground and get to where people are instead of always being within our walls. And so it's just a, it's another initiative that we've thought of. And um, I think there was a grant proposal and it got approved and we got that made uh, custom made at White Pines at the uh, the uh, the Forks. And that all started rolling 
literally rolling. Uh, we launched it in, on June 20th on, during Bike Week, and it's been a great success. What has the response been to the book bike, and what's some of the feedback that you've received from people who have come across it? It's really, people have been excited and extremely surprised, really wondering what it is. We're actually getting even more attention uh, driving it around when the boxes close because they're wondering, book bike? What is a book bike? And um, once it's open, they see that it's a little library. They could drop by and, and kind of don't really understand still, but it's it's a really neat concept, and we've had really good positive feedback. People are really excited about Winnipeg having something like this because it's a great initiative that you wouldn't necessarily think that Winnipeg who has very long winters <laughs> would have out on the road but it's it's been a really positive feedback and we hope to to run it uh, throughout part of the fall uh, until you know it starts raining too much or snowing too much and it's all been positive so far. You can go online and see photos of the book bike, but just to give our listeners kind of a description, it almost kind of resembles, if you can imagine, one of those bike ice cream carts. It's essentially kind of like that, except it has this beautiful sort of wooden exterior and there's books inside. Yeah, it's uh, it's basically like a, a big tricycle, uh, but with the, the two wheels in front and one wheel in back. And it's uh, it's been compared to sort of a Dickie D kind of thing, um, but it's, it's more of a vintage feel to it. It's really a, a pretty uh, sort of green and the bike, you have the, the box. It has a really nice wood grain and so it has the, the, the old 50s feel to it. And, and it just it has the leather seating and a nice leather, leather wrap on the, on the handles. And uh, it just catches the eye. Very cool. So if people want to check out the book bike for themselves, where might the book bike be in the next little bit? Uh, it changes a little bit every day. There is a calendar on AR, the WPL website, the Winnipeg Public Library website. The only event that I know is somewhat set in stone, of course, it's always dependent on weather, um, is on Thursday. Uh, it will be uh, downtown at the Hydro Buildings uh, Farmer's Market. Very cool. And as you mentioned, people can go on the Winnipeg Public Library website to find out where it is. And also, I think there's a hashtag on social mm-hmm. media as well. Hashtag WPL book bike. And we have, every time we go out, we try and, and tweet to say where we are so you can follow us. Excellent. Well, Maria, thank you so much for telling me all about the book bike today. You're very welcome. And if you'd like to learn more about the book bike or find out where it's headed next, you can visit wpl.winnipeg.ca or you can search the hashtag WPLBookBike on Twitter. Thanks, Robert. Coming up next after our musical break, we're going to be joined in studio, as we are almost every week, by Noah Ehrenberg. He's the convener of Community News Commons, which is Winnipeg's citizen journalism project. He's going to tell us all about what happened last week and what's happening this week through the lens of communitynewscommons.org. But first, here's ABBA with Honey Honey, right here, River City 360.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning, and we've come to the almost the end of our show. So what that means is Noah Ehrenberg is joining us in studio. Noah, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's great to be here. What a lovely morning. So Noah, as the convener of Community News Commons, you have a you have a main line to the to the pulse of the city. Exactly. So uh, tell us what's happening in Winnipeg uh, this week and last week. Uh, through the lens of Community News Commons? Well, uh, specifically through the lens of citizen reporters. Uh, basically, uh, citizen journalists uh, report for Community News Commons, and we publish the stories on communitynewscommons.org. And um, one of the stories that I really enjoyed um, this week and that you can, you can read on the site is a piece by Heather Amberley about uh, the love of reading. Oh, well, yeah. we just t- t- told our listeners about the book bike. So what, what, oh. did, what did Heather t- tell? Well, in her story for the love of reading, um, she, she spoke about the, um, uh, the National Read-A-Book Day, which was back in, um, well, it was the first day of school there, September the 6th, because okay. it's kind of appropriate. Uh, but she took that opportunity to uh, talk about the, and to, to write about basically why um, uh, we are enamored with books and uh, how special books are right. and to really uh, point out the fact that um, there are a hundred little free libraries in Winnipeg. And yeah, we've covered those on the show as well. That's right, and there are uh, more than 44,000 little free libraries uh, you know, in the world. It seems as though this generation that's com- coming up is sort of re-falling in love with books again. It kind of fell out of, out of uh, you know, sorts for a while there, but now it seems as though people are starting to care about reading again. Yeah, it's sort of like when people said, oh, radio was dead, you right. know, internet came along, radio was dead. Well, no, actually, uh, radio is alive and well and thriving. As and evidenced I, by you and I sitting here <laughs> exactly. today. And I think it's the same thing for books. And it's very interesting, you know, Heather, in her story, she asks us to imagine, and uh, she uses a quote, uh, she asks us to imagine what it was like to make books uh, many, many years ago. Uh, and there's a quote that she uh, has from a writer named Donna Leon, who uh, in the book by its cover um, writes that old books were printed on paper made from old cloth, shredded, pounded, watered down and pounded again and handmade mm. into large sheets to be printed, then folded, then folded again and uh, bound and stitched by hand. All that effort to record and remember who we are. And what we thought. and it's one book like it, they're exactly. not mass producing ten thousand copies. Right. It's so the effort was amazing, and and so just to contemplate sort of the effort to to you know basically uh, make books back then, and then the fact that right. you know we have ebooks, we have books if we turn on our computer, we we uh, you know you can books can be mass produced. I can listen to my book in, exactly. in my car now, which is cool. So there's many many different ways to enjoy books. And um, uh, the the story by Heather really sort of gives us an idea of why, uh, w- you know, we should celebrate book reading and uh, and we should celebrate the fact that there are over 100 uh, little free libraries yeah. in, in Winnipeg. And she ends with a quote from Stephen King, books are the perfect entertainment, no commercials, no batteries, hours of enjoyment for each dollar spent. What I wonder is why everybody doesn't carry a book around for those inevitable dead spots in life. Very nice. Stephen King? Yeah, Stephen King. Now, you know why nobody 
carries a book around for those dead spots in well, life? Well, I mean, you what could, are they looking at? <laughs> yeah, they're looking at their phones. Looking down at, at the old <laughs> self. Well, I mean, my my phone has a, about a dozen books on it. Loaded well, I guess up, you could so, be looking you know, at your phone as a book. A book yeah. on phone. Okay. So, yeah, there, yeah. so Stephen was just ahead of his time. Indeed, Mr. King. So what else is happening on uh, community, or what's happening in Winnipeg this week? Is there anything? Do people write about like events coming up? Oh or yeah, all the time. Previous? I mean, if you go to communitynewscommons.org, you will see concert reviews. You will see. Uh, per, um, uh, stories about uh, shows that are coming up. Uh, there's going to be uh, there's an, uh, an article um, this week uh, that will be about the Harvest Moon Festival oh, nice. that's coming up, Very cool. uh, which is celebrating its 15th year, wow. which is a which is a you know quite a um, quite a, a date uh, for for those guys over there. It's a it's a you know they got the Harvest Moon Society, so there'd be a nice little article about that. There really is um, you know a number of different um, stories about that. One story that uh, came in about a um, some events happening uh, was by Doug Kretschmer, our friend. Photographer, famous, well, infamous, maybe famous <laughs> photographer, yeah. And Doug uh, wrote a piece called Mass Appeal, a free concert series performed for the public by the public, which is essentially a four-part series of concerts presented by the Winnipeg Arts Council over uh, the past two weeks, which um, have Perf- were performed in various venues, and each concert featured a different instrument. Performed by the public? What does that mean? Like people so just people show, show up, up with an exactly. instrument and jam? That's right. Really? And so the very first one, the, the instrument that was featured was the voice. And they oh. held it at Union Center, at, or uh, sorry, uh, Union Station. Un- okay, cool. And so there was people. Basically, it was the choir was the was the um, um, just the like instrument, a fla- like a was flash mob choir gets together and they sing a song or two. That's right, but it's but it's you know it's well organized and it's huh. you know it's quite um, you know uh, you know it, it's put on quite professionally and um, uh, the a concert on Thursday at the Cube featured uh, the theme of horns and then fiddles uh, were the theme at the St. Norbert Farmer's Market just yesterday. Oh, cool. So there's one more left in the series, and that is coming up this week. The last concert in the series will be at the uh, Udina Circle at the Forks on September the 15th uh, from oh, 6 cool. to 8 p.m., and the theme is ukuleles. Oh, those tiny little guitar. Like, those tiny little... That would little, sound nice. You, you know what? I tell you, if you've ever, if you've never heard a ukulele choir, like, uh, like 20 or 30 I ukuleles, I have, and I've seen them perform. I've seen, you know, ukulele choirs perform. It is spectacular. Yeah, that so sounds like if, it could be. If you have a ukulele, go down to the Forks, September the 15th at... Um, 6 p.m. You said at uh, that's right at six uh, six to eight p.m. and uh, you can like do you have to be a pro or any, any no, level no no just, as long just, as you have a uke show basically up. it's uh, what Doug is reporting on is free concerts for the public by the public very cool so it's a great story and I'm really happy that Doug uh, covered that as well as he covers lots of others and and uh, you know if any of our listeners are interested in, in being a, rep- a citizen reporter just go to communitynewscommons.org click on the link become a citizen reporter which is in the top right hand corner of the page and um, start writing basically register it takes a minute to register and then you start writing and do all sorts of multimedia Very photos cool. you know video audio and I help you with it so basically I'm there to, to help uh, help you produce uh, some very uh, great uh, citizen journalism awesome. on they, the web. They say you learn something new every day. How would I have ever known that there was going to be a ukulele <laughs> choir playing down at the Forks on exactly. the 15th? Or that there was 100 free libraries right. in Winnipeg. Yeah, that's very cool. <laughs> so we talked about music a little bit. Mm-hmm. We like to have you bring in a little bit of local musical expertise. You've kind of got your finger on the pulse of local folk bands and local, you know, 
things that are happening here. Um, and I understand today is a very special <laughs> musical uh, number that you've brought for us. Tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about that. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I, I love to promote music in Manitoba. And um, this one's special because the, uh, the music that I'm um, going to feature this morning uh, happens to be my son. Uh, his name Micah. is Micah. Yeah, Micah Ehrenberg. Uh, and he has a band called Micah Ehrenberg Music. Um, and, um, you know, uh, to be as objective as I can, um, <laughs> I, I would like to uh, sort of describe, you know, what his music is about. He's he's very talented. He's a multi-instrumentalist. So uh, he, he plays guitar, but uh, he also plays a number of other instruments. He's a singer and a songwriter. How long has he been doing it for? Pretty much uh, his whole life, you yeah. know, he really started into guitar when he was about 10 years old. Wow. And now he's 24. And um, he has a really sort of charming and witty um, and authentic oh, style. Where does he get that from? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's cute. Um, and um, he, he, he kind of has this uh, what you would call full disclosure style. Okay. Of writing, you know, so. so very he, honest. Very honest. He's uh, clever, po- poetically and he can be gracefully heartbreaking wow. uh, in his um, in his lyrics and in his music. Um, he, he really he tries to find different ways to reinvent the art of songwriting. Um, uh, sort of really cool melodies, very uh, distinctive arrangements. Uh, the, the 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 band called Mike Ehrenberg Music uh, is a great uh, group of uh, Winnipeg musicians. Logan McKillop on guitar, Kieran West on acoustic guitar, Matt Philopoulos on bass, Dan Burnick on drums, and uh, Mike of course plays lead guitar, sings lead vocals, and he uh, writes the material. Fantastic. So he's coming out with a album on September the 24th at the Goodwill okay. Social Club. A couple weeks. Yeah, a couple weeks from now. And um, the um, the album is called, it's, the de- it's his, his debut album and, and the band's debut album called Poor Mike's Toe. And it will be uh, released on the 24th at the Goodwill Social Club. It's clever, it's sharp, it's hilarious. Um, and um, all that without compri- uh, compromising the depth of, uh, you know, of, of his music and his talent. Awesome. So you must be very proud. I really am, yeah. I very, and I really appreciate the opportunity to, um, to let the, uh, our listeners know about it's this. It's our pleasure, absolutely. So uh, in, that, uh, in that spirit, I would like to um, play one of his tunes from this new album, uh, the album called Poor Mike's Toe. And um, this song is called Occupy the World. So this is Micah Ehrenberg and his band, Micah Ehrenberg Music, with their song Occupy the World on River City 360, CJNU 93.7 FM. Hey! 
beautiful song. Uh, I hope you out there listened or enjoyed that song as much as I did listening to it. Fantastic stuff. So Occupy the World by Micah Ehrenberg Music. Great tune. Uh, In our previous segment, Noah mentioned uh, Micah's album release is going to be taking place September 24th at the Goodwill Social Club. So go check them out if you like what you heard here today. And the band will also be touring in support of the record. Uh, They're going to be doing 26 shows in 34 days in every province except for Newfoundland, Yukon, uh, Northwest Territories, and Nunavut. So you should be able to find, find a show if you're nearby, uh, for more information, you can go to MicahEarenberg.com. That's M-I-C-A-H-E-R-E-N-B-E-R-G.com. Or to hear more great tunes from Micah Ehrenberg music, you can visit MicahEarenberg.bandcamp.com. That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you very much for listening, and a huge thank you to all of our guests for speaking with us today. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, you can do that all on our website. Please visit us online at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CGNU 93.7 FM. And if you have any feedback about this week's show or any of our past episodes, if you'd like to request a song, or if you have any tips for a future show or future topics that you'd like us to discuss, please give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. You can give us a ring at 204-944-9474, extension 360. Again, Our listener line is open 24-7, so just leave us a message. That's 204-944-9474, extension 360. We're also on Twitter and Facebook by searching at RiverCity360 on Twitter and RiverCity360 on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for RiverCity360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great Sunday. Sunday.